Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia. A global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Always there were at least two people massaging him, one on either side, massaging his feet, sometimes also massaging his hands, and at least one other person brushing his hair. There would be students at the teacher training who he would call upon. And to be honest, I didn't really notice whether they went to him or whether he sought them out. But there would be girls who, you know, they would brush his hair and they would massage his feet. He would sit in the back of the room when we were doing our dialogue. And there was, at some point, some points, he would have two or three women Girls, really. I'm, I'm saying women, but I'm, I'm, they're very young and, uh, they'd be massaging his feet. Like literally like one girl on each foot kind of thing. And he would have, and like massaging his arms and then brushing his hair. So just brushing and brushing and brushing. And, uh, it was just somehow acceptable. That, that's all there was really to it. It, it wasn't, you know, there's always that part of you that's kind of like, what's going on with this? Like, what is, what is this? But it's just, and everyone's answer is, oh, that's just Bikram. I don't remember the first time I heard about the fact that students would massage Bikram or brush his hair at training. It was at least a solid decade before I started reporting the story. It's just a thing I've sort of known about for a long time. Sure, it was a little weird and a little eccentric, but it also wasn't completely out of line with the image and persona he put forth. It was totally out of line with everything else about Bikram Yoga. We didn't go around massaging each other. Students don't touch other students in class. And teachers never touch students in the hot room. That was a rule Bikram made up. But somehow Bikram having students massage him made a weird kind of sense. 
when I went to training and then year after year after year, I would think, what have I seen with my own eyes? And what I would always go back to is women lining up like a harem to brush his hair, to massage him, chase him around and act ridiculous. That's what I saw. A Bikram studio, whether it's at training or anywhere else in the world, can look and feel like a hyper-sexualized environment. It's literally a room full of sweaty people wearing very little. Whether you want it to be or not, your body is on display. And your only real means for expression is with your body. And in any environment where a body is on display, some people will feel incredibly comfortable with that or lean into it for their own advantage. Some people will be oblivious to it, and some people will feel powerless against it. And all of that is at play in each and every teacher training, where the number of women far outweigh the number of men. Context of White Supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Tuesday, July 24th, 2018. So I have been told. This broadcast was not planned, but enough things happened at teacher training on Sunday. Things I had been talking about on the broadcast that I thought I could have a program where I could reference what happened uh, and put it together in a lucid manner uh, that will hopefully uh, share information, additional information about the system of racism, white supremacy, what it means, how it works, and just how we go about constructing our, our counter-racist code. I guess technically this could have been workplace racism, but I think it you know might have taken up a uh, what I would deem an excessive amount of time to go into the details uh, of what took place. If you have comments, questions, uh, if we have any black people, if you have taken any yoga classes that relate to the commentary you'll hear, or if you work in a profession where you are required to do some hands-on touching, there are many professions. I think uh, if you are in the dental field, if you're a physician, doctor, that sort of thing, quite a few, physical therapist, quite a few where you might have to do some touching uh, on people. Uh, what sort of code do you have if you're required because of your job occupation? Part of your job is you having to put your hands on people in an intimate way. Do you have a code around that? Number six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you have a question, commentary. I'll check the switchboard after I share. Few things to give out before a few bits of information. There was massive difficulty with the archives and uploading new content to the cows archives over the past two, three weeks or, or so. Uh, it seems whites have at least remedied that for the next five minutes. Uh, other than this broadcast, the current cows content, 
iTunes is up to date. Black Talk Radio Network should be up to date with the exception of the book club. Uh, the SoundCloud account is up to date. You should be able to get all of the recent cows content via download. I still have to go back to correct the archives that have somehow been corrupted that are from circa 2012 to 2014. It seems intermittently many of those are not working correctly. Uh, and that's, you know, roughly a neighboring close to a thousand programs uh, that Gusty would have to go in and manually uh, correct. So that is an awesome undertaking. We'll take uh, a bit of time and energy, but at least the current feed that should be working uh, correctly. You should be able to access with no problems. I know that had been an issue for a few weeks or so. Next up, uh, if I did not announce this broadcast uh, this past weekend, the compensatory call-in because I didn't plan on doing the program until later today. Uh, anytime we have spontaneous broadcasts or you're just not certain about the schedule, when we'll be broadcasting, you can always get accurate info. Uh, you can check our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash RWSWJ. You can check our Black Talk Radio Network page. You can check us on Twitter at Until Justice. I post for all of the programs. Facebook, I think, always has the events uh, at least 24 hours in advance, sometimes earlier. This program, I didn't decide until this morning, so there was short notice, but it was posted on Facebook earlier in the day. That's it. A few other things before I get to the yoga aspect of the broadcast. Uh, Number one, M1, longtime investor, listener in the context of white supremacy, just wrote me a few days back. He has talked for years about the racist covering of shootings, police shootings, when an enforcement officer is shot and killed. If the perpetrator is white, suspected racist, you do not hear this, oh my gosh, we need Blue Lives Matter laws and the cop, there's a war against cops and we got to lynch Black Lives Matter and, you know, all this stuff. You don't hear all of that when whites go out and kill enforcement officials, as they do on a pretty regular basis. I don't know the racial classification, but I know right here in Washington state, they have been talking a lot about an officer who was killed in Kent. That's a little bit away from here. A white officer uh, who was killed and they arrested three teens. Now, I think these are whites. Washington is one of the whitest states in the United States. In fact, I think Washington state is the whitest state, meaning the state with the highest percentage of individuals classified as white. Uh, I could be incorrect about that, but if it's not the, it is certainly in the tops. And they bragged about that for a long, long, for years uh, since I've been here. They bragged about work. Yeah, they bragged about that. Anyway, uh, I suggest on those statistics alone, seems likely that these would be the perpetrators here would be white. Uh, The only information that they share in an emotional news conference, the mayor and police chief of Kent took time to honor the memory of officer Diego Moreno, who died in a chase early Sunday morning. Now they have a photograph that name for some, they might say, Oh, I think that could be someone who's a quote unquote Hispanic or quote unquote Latina, uh, Latino, excuse me. They have a photograph. I think this would definitely be someone who's classified as white 
although Gus T is not a plus at picking out racial classifications, so I could be in error. That'll come up later in the broadcast. Continuing with the report, uh, Mayor Dana Ralph recalled Moreno's tireless efforts in the department's Shop with a Cop program, which provides children with a shopping spree for Christmas. Ralph said Moreno would work a night shift, then show up at a Target to help a child get the Christmas he or she deserved. Last year, his child's gift card didn't pay for everything. Officer Moreno pulled out his wallet and paid for the things that the child wanted. That was the type of person he was, the public servant he was. Three teens are now under arrest in connection with the shooting that has led that led to the police chase ending in the death of Officer Moreno, authorities said. One of the three suspects was arrested immediately after the incident early Sunday morning, but two others fled the scene and were at large until they were uh, tracked down and arrested Monday. The teens, two 17 years old and a 16 year old, were arraigned in juvenile court on Monday. The 16-year-old suspect faces felony second-degree murder charge. The other teens are charged with possession of a firearm and unlawful discharge of a firearm. Obviously, with minors, most of the time, they do not give out identifying information. I have seen where they do not stick with this code uh, if the minors are black. The incident, I think, a few years back, I think it was a suspected racist who was born in Australia, was shot and killed here, and non-whites were involved, non-white minors, and they had photographs and pictures, and, you know, they, it was not this at all. It was, oh, my goodness, you know, so what is going crazy? We need Donald Trump. He should run for president correct all this. This was, uh, I think, like 2015, 2014. Anyway, just for M1 that this did happen, I don't know if this was big national news. I don't know if this was one where they were talking about and saying that there's a war on cops, but this just happened within the past few hours uh, here in Washington state. Next update on the cows t-shirt experiment. Folks are are still writing in. We had a number of people who said that they uh, were still waiting for the opportunity to get a a great place where they could go out to wear their shirt. Uh, So people have been writing in since they have been out wearing their shirt. I will update as I get responses, be they written, video, whatever it is. So a person wrote in, I wanted to share with you and the listeners my experiences of wearing the new T-shirt this past week. Unfortunately, I was not able to get information about your program earlier this month. I download your program via iTunes, and since June 30th, see there, the site would not update. That has been corrected. I suspect the usual party with refusal to update in a timely manner. Exactly. I have no Facebook, Twitter, etc. Smart. So I did not find out about the counter racist program until a few days ago. That being said, that program actually encouraged me to wear my please treat me like I am a white person T-shirt that I received about a month ago, but was reluctant to wear. I visited Las Vegas this past week. High red in Nevada from Southern uh, California and stayed at the Westgate Hotel and Casino, formerly the Hilton, for a few days and wore my T-shirt here and are the interactions of note that I remember. First, while I was walking to my room from the rear parking structure, there is a busy corridor which leads to the room elevators, front desk, and casino, and I encountered a black, non-white female employee who read my t-shirt and burst into laughter and pointed out the shirt to another employee and asked, where did I get the shirt? I told her about the Cows podcast and website and continued to my room. 
Whoopee. Number two, later that day, I was going to the parking lot in the same corridor and encountered a white male, 30-ish, coming towards me, and he read my shirt, scoffed at me, and lightly laughed. I felt it was a heavy, it was a yeah, right response as he passed me. Number three, walking back to my room later that night and encountered a black male and black female as I was going to the elevator. The woman read the T-shirt and pointed it out to her male companion, and they both asked, where did I get it? I told them about the cows and got onto the elevator. Bravo. Number four, I returned home to California, and I wore the T-shirt to the Honda car dealership in Ontario, California to get my car serviced. The service advisor, white male, greeted me as I drove up and read my T-shirt when I got out of my vehicle. He became extremely friendly and made eye contact and smiled to the point where it became a bit uncomfortable for me. I did not let him know that I was uncomfortable and remained calm and courteous during the service consultation. I'm going to pause here. He has uh, three more. Just that's about what I thought would be the standard reaction. Again, uh, when all of this was coming together, I explained this on the program a few weeks ago. I thought whites are not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. And as I've been saying increasingly over the past few weeks, a big aspect of racism, white supremacy is abusing people when they are confused. They really enjoy taking advantage. I mean, if you can think child rapists, pedophilia, so rampant, we've been talking about that. That's what they really enjoy when it seems like you are not quite as confused. You kind of know that there's something up with individuals classified as white. They are much more hesitant. They will do much. They'll put much more time and energy into ooh. Make sure I'm not doing anything for them to suspect me. Ooh, got to work hard. Got to work hard. That's what I thought it would be. Lots of effort to smile and be pleasant. And oh, yeah, not me. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Racism is a big problem. That Obama, mm-hmm, I could have voted for him five times. Man, that hate that. I mean, that's what I thought they would do. Anyway, number five, as I was at the service consultation, there was a white woman facing me in the waiting area who had a little boy about three years old who appeared to be non-white black, but the product of cowbell. I caught her reading my t-shirt as we made eye contact and she smirked at me. I wanted to interact with her because I felt that she was going to ask me questions, but the shuttle driver came and she picked up uh, her child and left the waiting area with the shuttle driver. Incidentally, this person wrote cowbell in that was not my uh, sound effect i was just reading what they wrote number six i also noted a black noticed a black male service advisor who was reading my shirt and would not make eye contact as as a matter of fact he avoided me and would not look at me the whole time that i was there in the waiting area i did notice that he was friendly to everyone else there i hope that me wearing the t-shirt did not make make things uncomfortable for him when i left It was already comfortable for him way before you got there. Number seven, I noticed a 20-ish white male mechanic noticed my shirt as he was walking through the waiting area and his expression was very serious after reading it. That's all he could remember. And he has photographs of him sporting the t-shirt. And I think some photos of Las Vegas too, but I mean, Las Vegas. Next person. Uh, I received my T-shirts from Dr. Trab a short time ago. I finally wore it today after a very long conversation with my partner. I am a black female. Hmm, I'd like to 
Hmm. Oh, okay. She was just like, wow, I wonder what the conversation detailed. Okay. My partner is a black male and he indicated the t-shirt was unnecessary and told me it was like a Black Lives Matter t-shirt because it is essentially begging white people to validate us and that we should not aspire to be treated like white people. By the way, my partner was introduced. Oh, my partner introduced me to the works of Dr. Francis Cress Welsing and Neely Fuller Jr. So he's not confused about racism, white supremacy. Well, I am. I reminded him about VGQ and that I felt the T-shirt would be constructive because it could give an opportunity to exchange views with other victims. And perhaps white people would be less likely to mistreat me. Ultimately, he did not object to me wearing it, but feels the wording on the shirt needs improvement versus having no T-shirt at all. After our long discussion and hearing our offspring ex express concern for my safety, that actually is not funny. That is legitimate. That is legitimate. I've said that the whole time. That is legitimate. Anybody, anybody uh, who expresses safety concerns that the shirt could promote violence, mistreatment, that is totally legit. Brilliant offspring to have those concerns. Continuing. Uh, so she, after all of that, she was out. But before departing, I did reassure them that I doubt any harm would come to me, but that if indeed I was mauled or killed, the T-shirt would certainly spark needed conversation. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Okay, so I went to a facility to have a document notarized and to a grocery store. I live on the East Coast in a suburban town in Pennsylvania that is mostly white, but uh, with substantial pockets of non-white people. This geography went strongly for Donald Trump in the presidential election, didn't they all? At the notary office, the white owners did not seem to notice my shirt. I had no problems, but I had the feeling I was treated with a bit more courtesy than normal, but I'm not sure. I have been to that facility before. At the grocery store, I intentionally went down just about every aisle to see what reactions I would get. I was ignored by most people, white and non-white. The exceptions were... An older black male smiled and nodded at me. I'm sure he saw my shirt. Two white women separately seemed to read my shirt and intentionally avoided eye contact with me. A white woman checked me out and also seemed to read my shirt. I got the sense that she was being extra courteous, but I'm not sure. When I returned home, I shared with my partner and offspring that nothing untoward happened. I told my offspring this is a lesson that we should gather courage during our attempts at countering racism because it will be required to question racist whites and to counter their terroristic behavior. I will continue to wear the shirt and can report on any exceptional encounters. Bravo. Courage is important. We have talked about that over the years about ways to cultivate courage. I did not necessarily think of it being a courageous act wearing the t-shirt. And certainly at this point, I've worn it hundreds of times. So it's just, you know, another t-shirt. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I'd never thought of it that way, but perhaps an exercise in courage. Hmm. If your partner has any uh, suggestions for improving the wording, that would be grand. Other than the please respect me like a proud black Nubian melanated any of that we've heard that for a long time and that's a totally different thing anywho uh those are the t-shirts if you have other people if you would like to write in about your experience or share however you documented your experience with the counter racist t-shirt drop us an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com 
if you would like a shirt, do not, do not write Gus T. Write Dr. Trav Cow's shirt at gmail.com. C-O-W-S, all caps, shirt at gmail.com. I don't know about the sizes or any of that because I do not care. <laughs> Dr. Trav will hook you up uh, and it will be pronto. Everyone that I've heard from that's got a shirt has been exceptionally pleased with the customer service. Uh, Trav will take care of it pronto. Cow's shirt at gmail.com. Next, uh, uh, is it time for yoga? I think I got through everything I needed. Oh, last thing. Reading is more important than watching television. That's it. One film that we have talked about or one film franchise that we have talked about on the cows for a number of years now. It's painful for me to say that. The Purge. I was able to make time. I certainly didn't go to the movies uh, to see this film. I didn't go to the movies to see any of these uh, films, nor would I. Uh, But I watched it for free online, as I have encouraged. That's the minimum that we can do. I think that's a real lazy counter-racist effort. No movies for black people under the system of racism, white supremacy. Very lazy counter-racist effort. So I watch it online for free. And I'm watching just because we talked about this film. It's linked at Black Talk Radio Network, the broadcast that we did with Dr. Martin Kevorkian, which incidentally is extremely important because that broadcast is August 2016. Confidently, Gus T, I think by that point, I might have even been uh, referring to uh, our now president as president elect. I'm not sure if I had started in August, but I was real certain he was going to win by August. And I am sure that that was conveyed in that broadcast. And you can look at the purge, the or not the one that I'm talking about now, but purge election year, the one that came out in 2016. Oh, yeah. Great illustration of what was to come. Anyway, so the new purge that just came out uh, for the July 4th holiday is like the prequel where they're explaining this is showing, uh, as the title implies, how this all began. And so I'm going to clock myself because this is not worth that much. I'm going to I'm going to restrict myself to four minutes max. So a white woman is the architect of this first purge, which is an experiment since we were just talking about the counter racist T-shirts. This is concocted as an experiment. Where they're going to have this, it's not taking place throughout the entire country, the so-called purge where you get 12 hours where any and all crimes, including murder, are legal, no arrests, no repercussions. Do what you want. This is an experiment that is confined to a small borough of New York. I believe it's Staten Island, if my memory serves. It's confined to a small area, Staten Island, and... They, as a part of the experiment, ostensibly, they tell the residents who are overwhelmingly black, they make that explicitly clear that this is just about killing black people. I think a a character says that. I think they give the infamous tacky line. This is just about killing black and brown people. They give you, uh, I think it's $5,000 and they give you a chip and they give you the contact lenses. If you saw Black Mirror, where what you see is recorded and live streamed uh, back to the audience and, and all that jazz. So 
they start the initial purge and it's also people are watching all over to see what's going to happen. Are people going to do this or not? You know, all of that they have. And before you even get to this, they have lots of really grotesque images of black people as drug addicts and fiends, the worst uh, anti-blackness you can fathom. Fast forwarding, they, uh, they send in, there's not enough killing. The black people are basically, they harm, if there's a little bit of anti-black killing, but for the most part, the black people, they're just, you know, trying to party and, and be silly as they're depicted in the film. But for the most part, they're not doing any killing. Whites are not pleased about this, so they send in uh, armed Klansmen, all kinds of armed racists, uh, flood into this area of New York and start killing black people. Really graphic scenes, really gruesome, terribly made movie, just lots of uh, anti-black violence and filth. And so they have this one band of black drug dealers who do engage in anti-blackness and kill some other black people. But then when this happens, they decide that they're going to fight back against the infiltrating clan members. And it goes from there. Uh, it's not a well-made movie. I'm not encouraging anybody to watch it, but to have something be so flat. I mean, it's pretty stark to have a film that has made hundreds of millions of dollars and see literally white Klansmen riding down the street with guns where you know the intention is to kill black people. And then they have a scene where white New York white police officers have chased a black male to Yankee Stadium and the black male is crawling down the first baseline and they have their nigger knockers out and they're going to beat him as though he's out. They're going to beat him to death uh, before he even gets to the first baseline to be safe. But terrible for just the the explicitness. I think this is the most explicit any of the films has been in terms of what this is about. It seems like it's it's gotten the first one. I mean, it was just a gang of whites hunting one black person. That's, you know, pretty freaking, but there was never anything as, as direct as white Klansmen armed with guns chasing and killing black people. But that's the new purge. I didn't get to see the conclusion, nor did I, did I need to. I just kind of had it on while I was doing other things. I did think it was critically important that, again, a white woman is the architect for the purge. And they even have the audacity to allow her to have some sort of guilt about all of this and the guise of scientific objectivity that this was an experiment just to see what would happen. No ill intentions at all. This just has gone awry. But the white woman, and in fact, I think the name of this white woman might be the architect, but you know, those are details you can check out. I think that's four minutes or close to bam. Okay. Context of white supremacy. And I'll say it again. Reading is more important than watching television. That said, so teacher training. Man, oh man, I'm glad that I've done it. Mr. Fuller, who says consistently, learn a little bit about everything. Doing teacher training has uh, required me to learn a little bit about anatomy. It has required me to learn a little Sanskrit. Uh, it has required me uh, to learn quite a bit of yoga philosophy. And I mean, just learn a little bit about everything. I think anytime where you're learning about your body and how to better take care of yourself, that is extremely constructive. And I think black people need as much of that as we can possibly get. Uh, and incidentally, it is never lost on me. I think uh, it comes in my, uh, it comes to mind daily in my practice that in yoga, you spend so much time talking about balance and doing all these wacky balance poses on, you know, one toe or one hand or one foot or whatever it is. 
Uh, and Mr. Neely Fuller Jr. spends a lot of time talking about finding balance between people. It is never lost on me. At any rate, this particular portion of uh, the yoga teacher training, what we are learning about is adjustments. And one of the reasons, really one of the main reasons that uh, many people go to a yoga studio as opposed to just doing yoga at home. I mean, they have, uh, I was going to say thousands, but that's, you know, it's probably tens of thousands, if not millions of videos available online where you could just, you know, pick out whatever you want to, whatever yoga routine you want to do, and you could do it. Uh, much less, you could go get books. They have books that are written uh, about yoga. You could study the practice yourself and, you know, make up your own uh, sequences and what have you. People do that. They go out to the beach. Satya X, go out to the beach and, you know, practice, do your thing. Lots of people do that all over the world. People did that for centuries when there was no uh, studio to go to. Thousands of years, excuse me, when there was no studio to go to. Uh, but one of the reasons that people go to the studio is that you can get hands-on adjustments, uh, that you can have someone ostensibly who is knowledgeable, professional, they know how, you know, the correct alignment for the postures. That's very important, making sure that you, uh, some of the postures, they're so awkward and positions that you would never naturally be in with your body to have someone there to kind of make sure that you're doing it safely and that you're working the correct muscle group that the posture is actually supposed to be activating. It can be helpful. I, I mean, there's a, a great benefit to that. However, <laughs> The major, however, in a system of racism, white supremacy, nothing is sacred. Everything is going to be corrupted uh, in this system. So one aspect of that, why I played the sound clip at the beginning, ESPN, they did a, a five part podcast called Bikram. And no coincidences, this podcast came out right about at the exact same time that I was signed up for teacher training, uh, was looking to do teacher training and all that. It came out like right within the same uh, few days or so. And I was just like, well, I watched it, I think within, or I listened to it within, I think a day or two of our teacher training beginning. And Bikram yoga, even though I am not training at a Bikram yoga facility and I have never taken a Bikram yoga class, although I've taken classes that are very similar to it, Bikram yoga has been mentioned so many times. It was mentioned the very first day of teacher training. And I think it, uh, his name and the class and the philosophy was repeat, uh, mentioned repeatedly throughout teacher training. And the aspect that you heard in the sound clip that I started this broadcast off with talking about both the sexualized environment of the yoga class. It's a hot environment. I am uh, doing teacher training at a heated yoga facility where many of the classes that they have are 100 degrees. Some of them are 105 degrees. So it is a very hot sweaty environment and you do have people you know males and females who are wearing a lot less clothes i never wear a shirt in a yoga class i never wore a shirt in yoga class and most of the males or i'll say many many of the males that are there do not have a shirt on and you know for females they have on just fewer clothing much fewer clothing than you would if it was not 100 degrees uh and so just and again in a system of racism white supremacy that you know in that has a huge impact on the environment that clip 
uh, or that whole podcast about Vikram Yoga and Vikram Chandri, who is a non-white male who is credited with coming up with this uh, philosophy of Vikram Yoga. He had a book published and copyrighted his uh, sequences of his postures and all that. He's still alive. Uh, but he, too, uh, is accused of having sexually abused, sexually mistreated n countless uh, females over the years of his practice. And they interview many of his accusers and they talk about his experience. You heard some of it, the massages and all of this stuff that would happen uh, at his teacher training. Lots of that. Everyone has been hearing about the whole Me Too and every other day, Bill Cosby this and uh, Congressman John Conyers, who uh, had pushed for reparations for black people. He had to resign uh, at the end of last year, accused of sexual misconduct. Morgan Freeman, uh, actor in one of my the great Morgan Freeman, uh, star of one of my favorites all time driving Miss Daisy, uh, had, had his name uh, besmirched accusations of sexual misconduct. Bill Cosby, even this very day, there are calls for him to be listed as a sexually violent predator. Bill Jello Puddin' Pop Cosby, a sexually violent predator. In this environment, going into the adjustments where you're putting your hands uh, on people to move their body around and give them a massage and all that, it, whew, it has been quite anxiety provoking for uh, Gus T uh, for a myriad of reasons. As I said, the whole uh, adjustments, it's just for a variety of reasons uh, for the touching aspect. And also as a black male, I've talked about my experiences in yoga class. I talked about the time where uh, a white student uh, kicked me and then assaulted me in class. Uh, I frequently, I wear my please treat and or respect me like a white person t-shirt to every yoga class uh, because of the experiences that I have had in those environments. I do. I mean, it's we're still on the plantation. That's what I feel like when I'm in uh, those spaces. So that influences whether or not I want to touch someone as an instructor or even whether I want to be touched uh, as a student. Uh, and I've also I think I talked about also being a black person in those spaces and feeling as though I was totally ignored uh, where I did not, you know, get greeted, touched anything where I was not treated as though I was not a student present at all. So it's the totality of, of the whole touching issue in a system of racism, white supremacy brings up a lot of thoughts for me. I talked about on Friday when we started the adjustment series of the course and I was paired with a white male. Uh, I skipped a lot of the postures. I did not want to be touched. I did not want a white man uh, pawing his, you know, hands all over me. Uh, and I did not, you know, the same. I did not want to be touching him uh, in that manner. So we skipped a lot of the postures on Friday. And I talked about how uncomfortable I felt. Uh, on Friday, we had a whole nother three-hour session that was just about adjustments. This time, and we had, this time, I think we had to spend about two of the three hours with another partner doing the adjustments, just going back and forth. You're the student and they do the adjustment and then you switch it around, you know, other way. And this time around, I was paired with the only other black person in class, lovely black female that I've talked about. And I said on Friday that for me, it would have made absolutely no difference, even if I had been paired with a black person, 
all of the touching and pawing. No thanks. I'm not interested in being the next Morgan Freeman or anyone else like I'm good. I would rather uh, pass on all of this. Even if it was a class full of black people, I would still be uh, hesitant, very reluctant uh, to engage in the adjustment aspect of the practice. So I'm the black female. We had been chatting it up before. Uh, We've had conversation. Very pleasant. She seems like she's less confused about racism. We go up on the roof, which is magnificent. Anybody, if you come to the Seattle area, you can come to take my class if you're going to be here on August. I think it's 19th. And even, in fact, before that, we have practice rounds. Uh, I will, all of the students that are in teacher training will be teaching a portion of a full class. So I wouldn't be teaching the full class as I will be later in August. But August 8th, I will be teaching part of a class that you could attend for free. So if you want to come wear your t-shirt courageously, uh, you could do it up and I would be teaching a portion of the class. But we talked, the black female and I, we talked uh, about the adjustments and, you know, what everybody thinks about, you know, all, all going through all of this, what her experience was like on Friday. And I told her like, you know, I'm not I am not feeling all of the adjustments. I don't feel comfortable. A lot of these classes have a lot of white women. It would be out of the question. And I just cannot imagine being in these in this environment as a black male, as a black male over six feet, 200 pounds. I cannot imagine going and, oh, yes, let me, you know, grab your thigh, which is what some of these adjustments call for. Let me grab your thigh or, you know, let me. I'm good. I'm not doing any of that. And so uh, I'm telling her she totally, you know, understood. And it was interesting hearing her perspective, black female. Now, she I just gave my proportions. I think uh, as I, if I was going to guesstimate it, I think I said about five, three hundred fifteen pounds. That's what I would guess it out to be uh, for her weight and such. Uh, and she was saying that for her, she thinks it's very suspect uh, in classes where white male instructors where they're doing things where they're like coming up behind her and clutching like around her hips uh, or grabbing her around her waist area. And I think a lot of times for like female students, they will wear like gym attire where their stomach might be uncovered. So if you're grabbing around the waist, you're grabbing directly on their body. Uh, She said they'll do that or they'll move their hands up the waist to the shoulders or something from behind them and be really close. And she just talked about those. Some of the other adjustments, I'm trying to think like uh, child's pose, if you want to look or people are familiar, like that's kind of a a kneeling uh, pose. And the adjustment that you can give there is you come up uh, from behind the person while their head is, is to the ground and you kind of push their hips down. You'd be grabbing them basically by their hips on each side and kind of gently pushing them down a little deeper into the stretch that was one that was one that I was just like no thanks I'm not interested in having a white person touch me and I don't want to touch him uh in that manner uh I'm trying to think of some of the other sensations that she was oh she was saying uh people coming a lot of times when you do like shavasana which is the pose at the end of class where you just lie down on your back and you're supposed to relax she was saying that uh sometimes they will come and give you like a massage there And she was saying that they will like just take it as an opportunity to run their hands through her hair. She has natural hair 
and they'll just run their hands through her hair or put their hands on her face. And she's like, you know, hey, I don't know where your hands have been. I don't want your sweaty hands all running through my hair. Uh, And I don't want your hands, you know, running all over my face and stuff like shoulders down. That should be acceptable. Not you know, above the shoulders, which I totally, totally uh, get in a system of racism, white supremacy, or just period. Uh, But she talked a lot about just different things uh, that, you know, have made her uncomfortable or where she tries to just avoid getting the adjustments altogether. I think I said before, you can request a private practice where at the beginning uh, they should ask permission to touch you. The instructor should say something of the effect of, you know, if you do not want to be touched. That's totally fine. Just raise a hand uh, or let me know and I will respect your space. Something to that effect should be said if they are teaching correctly. Um, and if they don't, you can just say that ahead of time. You can be preemptive and tell them when you go to sign up to the cl- uh, for the class, if you're going to take a class and just tell them, you know, I prefer to have a private cl- uh, practice. I don't want to be adjusted and they should. No problem. We'll do. I'll honor your space. Anyway, so the black female and I, even with our, you know, her history of, of things that have happened in my history and reservations about doing it, we both wanted to learn the adjustments just so it would be good to have them. And then perhaps we do get to teach a class of all black people one day, comfortable. Hey, great to know the adjustments and the adjustments can be phenomenal. They can be hugely helpful. They can help you get uh, deeper into a stretch or help you to do it safely. That's what a lot of the adjustments uh, center around to make sure that people are not in position where they're going to uh, potentially injure uh, themselves. So, I mean, they're they're supposed to be great. They are supposed to be helpful. Just the system of white supremacy corrupts everything. So since I have a black female partner, uh, even though I'm still reluctant, uh, I am much more willing uh, to engage and do the adjustments. Uh, ended up being uh, much more much more fun. Uh, it was still, uh, there was still a number of adjustments. I'm trying to think of some specifically. Uh, the adjustment for uh, half pigeon, you can look it up online, yoga pose, half pigeon. Uh, if I can explain it, let's see, you would be on the ground, your chest facing the ground. You would have your palms on the ground, shoulder width distance apart. Uh, You would have one leg extended long behind you, top of your foot on the ground, and you'd have the other leg bent in front of you. I'll pick the right knee. Your right knee would be bent and behind your right wrist, which is planted on the ground, and your right ankle would be behind your left wrist so that your shin is parallel to the mat. Well cued. So that's half pigeon. And then from there, if you're flexible enough, you can lower from your palms. You could lower all the way down to your forearms, lower your head on the mat if you're flexible enough. So if you take yoga consistently, most people eventually get flexible enough where they can lower their head to the ground. It's not that difficult if you practice enough. So from that position, the adjustment is that you can come and lower the person's hips to the ground. So while they're basically prone, their head is down, they can't see you, they be looking at the ground or their head would literally be on the ground. Uh, so you would be coming up. You would straddle the leg that's long behind them. You would place your hands on their hips, basically the back of their hips, and gently push their hips down, right? Now, even when I'm paired with a le- absolutely gorgeous black female, even paired with her, I have the uh, teacher, trainer, instructor who's there. 
I'm I step over her, so I'm straddling her leg. Now I'm supposed to bend over, put my hands on her hips, and press her hips down where she's got on her yoga gown. That's nothing incorrect about it. It's what people wear, but I mean, it's not a t-shirt and what have you. You're pretty close. Sometimes you're just touching their body as you push their hips down. And I'm looking at the instructions like, yep, that's what it's supposed to be. And I'm thinking there's no way I would do this adjustment in class, even if I had a class of all non-white people. I don't know if I would want to do this adjustment. Like, I think I would have to know the people uh, pretty well and feel like, okay, I'm comfortable with them. I know them. They're comfortable with me. Okay, we can do this. Like, other than that, I would not do this adjustment. And there were a number of them, like I said, if I had my, we would just go there, even with a black, a lovely black female where it's like, where you're in an environment where it's, okay, do the adjustment, okay, come in, touch, boom, 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 do, you messed it up, do it again. Even in that context, like, man, this is not fun at all. I would not, and I, eventually, we were talking, we had done some of the adjustments and had enough fun where we did some of the adjustments where it was like, oh, we can just mess around and do some of the adjustments that we would never do uh, because I, they in the manual, they show the directions on how you give adjustments for like all of these really intricate poses that most of the time they would not even provide an adjustment for in class. But to know, oh, there is an adjustment that you can give. This is it. Let's try it out just, you know, for fun. That was great to have. And I was just like, wow, imagine if it was all black people in the class, imagine if all the instructors were black, how much more fun this would be, how much more, you know, just immersed we would be in this whole experience. Anyway, so that was great. We played around and did, you know, some of the goofy, wacky adjustments and had fun with that. And then, you know, we just kind of went back to talking like, yeah, this is crazy. Like I would not kind of both of us kind of expressing the same concerns. Like I would not do a lot of these adjustments uh, if I was an instructor, I would just be sticking to a lot of the verbal cues where I can use my words to guide people's bodies where they need to be or things where you just kind of can grab one hand or a wrist and kind of move something or kind of touch one shoulder. I'd be doing more of that. Forget all the because, I mean, they have stuff where you're kind of gra- you're literally putting your hand like on the midpoint of someone's thigh. Like if you can look between uh, midway between your knee uh, and like you're growing, bam, right there. You're literally grabbing someone's thigh right there or putting your hand, the palm of your hand uh, on someone's thigh right there. Maybe they have shorts on. Maybe they, I mean, anyway, so I'm expressing my concerns about all of this and uh, just, you know, it, being logical. I'm a black male. It's a system of white supremacy. I'm not doing this. stuff. I was talking to uh, my black female partner, like, I'm not doing this stuff. You see what just happened to Bill Cosby? You know how much money? <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good instructor comes up he uh i just he just heard us talking it's like oh what are y'all talking about i'm gonna pause the story right here because totally unrelated but i've talked about this on the program so many times i could not uh avoid bringing this up the instructor who happened to come up i've talked many times about there being an instructor who is racially ambiguous i said i thought he'd be classified as white but i put an asterisk there he has you know darker skin noticeably darker than the other instructors put an asterisk there let me ask some of the other white people in fact i would like to ask him i talked to my black female partner uh at the yoga class i talked to her about it before she said she thought he was not white i talked to you all about it i even talked to some of the listeners and tried to show his picture to get people's uh thoughts everyone i showed they said oh i think he's non-white so he comes up and i just asked we're out 
we're on the roof. We're not in the normal studio. It's beautiful, beautiful Seattle summer weather. Uh, we're on the rooftop. You can see Mount Rainer clearly. You can see the Space Needle. You can see the water. We're in Capitol Hill, so it's basically like you're looking down on all of the city of Seattle from the rooftop, and it's like beautiful 80-degree day. The whites are suffering. They've got sunscreen. In fact, half of the group left early. We were up on the roof for two hours, and again, it's 80 degrees. This is not, you know, New Orleans, Texas, Alabama, Florida summer heat. This is not that at all. It's 80 degrees. Seattle does not have all that southern uh, humidity. It's no humidity at all. Even a gentle breeze coming through. Whites are in misery. Ah, I got our sunscreen. Ah, I can't take it. I'm going back. That's half of the group. They leave in between. Anyway, so we're just having a grand old time. The instructor that comes up, I say, hey, are you white? And he says, excuse me? I said, are you white? And he starts laughing and he says, no, I am not white. And my black uh, partner that I'm with, black female partner that I'm with, uh, she starts cracking up laughing. He says, I get that all the time. Uh, I am racially ambiguous, which is the exact term that I use on this program. I says, yeah, uh, people think I'm racially ambiguous. People come up to me all the time and ask me, like, are you white or what are you or where are you from? And and that sort of thing. He's like, no, I was, uh, I'm so-called Mexican and blah, blah, blah. Giving more details. Like, oh, OK, I thought you were white. He's like, yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint. I am not uh, the black female that I'm with. Uh, she interjects. I never suspected that you were white and gets quite a chuckle uh, out of being correct. Uh, but that was grand because we had talked about that before. I was going to go and ask some of the other whites in the class, but I felt like I'd already since I asked him directly, it was kind of settled, although I might ask some of the other whites in class just to see what they say uh, as we proceed. Uh, I have said before, my general tendency, if I'm going to make an error, that tends to be my error is false positive. Uh, I would much rather do that than have it be the other way. As, and that being, I identify this person as non-white. And it turns out that they are classified as white and you know, I've been functioning incorrectly. I would much rather be a false positive and particularly a false positive where I'm at least making a note that, you know, we might want to get additional information. But I, I guess I still am a little need more improvement, I guess, with racial classification. I said before, I'm still have some confusion about racism, racism, white supremacy, Racial classification confusion is one that I think the vast majority of non-white people still have some problems with. Some of us are better than others. Getting back to the yoga component. So the non-white instructor, self-identified, comes up and says, you know, what, what are y'all talking about? What's going on? And I was like, you know, I'm a black male. I'm, and this, this is the same instructor who had said at the previous class, and I think he was talking about pigeon pose, the pose that I just explained where you come up from behind and push the hips down. I think that was the exact pose that he said, you, Gus, being as big as you are, probably not a pose that you would want to do uh, with some students. Uh, they might be smaller to have someone so large coming up from behind them and all that might be kind of intimidating. Exactly what I was thinking and or it could be a white person practicing racism, white supremacy, Whatever the case is, this is not an adjustment I would give. But anyway, I went and I just told him, I was like, man, at least half of these adjustments, maybe more than that, I am not comfortable giving. Uh, I just feel like 
Uh, I would be me too right on out of my yoga instructing career. And I'm not even interested in giving him. He was like, oh, yeah, that's that is totally legit. He was like, you can give a whole class and not give adjustments uh, or you can just go through and pick out exactly what I just said. You could just go through and pick out the adjustments where all you have to do is put one finger on the person. There's your adjustment or one hand or or get very good with your verbal cues. Uh, and that way you can go around and adjust and you don't have to do uh, all that pawing, which made my day. I uh, I journaled uh, about that, that because that was a I wouldn't say it was a burden, but it was definitely a source of anxiety. Uh, and making me think, is this going to be something that, you know, could be an issue? And them saying that, well, you got to do more adjustments and we got to see that you know how to perform these adjustments correctly, safely uh, on, a, on, a, uh, on a student. And no, just to know that, no, I don't have to do that. I can just pick out, you know, some of the easier ones. Do those. Um, the black female that's in class, if she's a student in the class, if I had to do uh, an adjustment. I guess I would pick her since I know her now, and I think we have enough rapport that I could. I think I could safely uh, do one of the adjustments and be okay with it. But beyond that, like, oh no, everybody's getting one finger uh, adjustment. Move this here. Move your elbow there. Great. <laughs> Keep it moving, and lots of verbal cues because I just I would be very interested in hearing uh, from black male instructors how they navigate that because i would be very hand especially now i would be very hands off uh in my practice uh i mean extremely hands off lots of verbal cues i would not spend a whole lot of time massaging and adjusting people in that sort of that very minimal like i said if we have any folks who are listeners if touching another person and in an intimate way, if that is a part of your profession or your duties in some capacity, I would love to hear how you, you know, have kind of configured your code. Uh, what do you say? What do you do to minimize the likelihood of you being accused of something or any sort of problems uh, arising from that? The number 641 the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate again i'm very practice uh excuse me i'm very private with my yoga practice in general I don't go like to a yoga class with friends and we're all in a group together on the same row, hanging out and high five. And stuff. I don't do that. Uh, I don't go to the yoga studio, even though uh, I have gone to the yoga studio a lot. It's not like I go and I know everybody in class and I'm high fiving everybody that I go and do not open my mouth at all. Uh, sometimes I might greet the instructor and that's it. Like I don't speak to anybody else, even if it's people that I've taken 50 classes with i don't say a word like i'm by myself i purposely get a spot that's away from everybody else uh, so i can just practice and leave it's very different uh being in a position where you have to speak and then you know having to touch other people like oh man like it is uh way outside my comfort zone as they say way uh, but just trying to navigate and figure out a code as best i can i am going to make an effort to talk to other uh, black people 
who perform yoga, especially black males, to see, as I said, how they handle that. My general uh, sense, the number of non-white instructors that I have observed, many of them female, it would seem that this profession would require a, a lot of coddling to whites, and I just would not be interested in that at all. Uh, and, you know, the way that you talk to them and then going around with the adjustments and all that, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I would be repulsed. Like it would, my 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 yoga instructing career would begin and end on the same day because that you know, I would be totally done. I'd just be back to being strictly a student. But even some of these concerns would not disappear completely, even if I had an exclusively non-white clientele. Uh, I would still, <laughs> I would still have a very firm code uh, if there's going to be any touching at all. And if there is, this is the type of these are the boundaries. This is what it's going to be, that sort of thing. Like even I didn't I felt some type of way even about when uh, because you have to take turns. Right. So you're the instructor and your partner is the student and you adjust them and we switch. So I'm the student. She's the instructor and she has to do the adjustments on me. I even felt some type of way about that because it's been hot in Seattle. uh, What we call hot in these parts, like 80 degrees for the past three or four days. Uh, hot enough to where you could probably take your shirt off if it's, you know, that warm. We're on the roof. I would normally not have my shirt on for yoga, as I've already said. However, having her do these adjustments, it was not exactly comfortable. At first, I put my shirt back on. Unfortunately, I had a black T-shirt on. <laughs> said, uh, man, uh, it's hot enough. I would like to take my shirt back off. So I asked, are you comfortable with me taking my shirt back off? She's like, whatever, do whatever, you know, you're comfortable with. Uh, but I mean... Yeah, it's just, I don't know. If other folks, you can let uh, you can let me know, let us know uh, how you feel, if that has reconfigured your thoughts on being touched intimately uh, by folks that are strangers. Like, this is not someone that you're sharing a mortgage with, <laughs> not someone that you've exchanged vows with, uh, who is, you know, leaving their fingerprints all over various parts of your body. Uh, I don't know if folks have codes about that, thoughts about that, even if it's another non-white person, uh, if you, uh, how, how just your understanding of racism, white supremacy, and everything that is happening in these days and times, uh, how you operate with that. I would be curious. Number again, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to participate. We'll check and see if folks have any questions uh, or if you have your own experience. If we have stumbled upon folks uh, who are yoga instructors uh, or even if you take yoga classes, if you have thoughts, I would be especially uh, interested uh, I do try. I do talk to other black people about these experiences who take yoga classes, but always a hoot to hear from additional black people who take yoga classes, what their thoughts are around these issues. I'll check the phone line, see if folks have any thoughts and or questions. Let's see. Uh, Ivy, did you have question, comment? Uh, not right now. I really didn't want to go first. Um, I'll just listen for now, but later on, I do want to 
uh, say some things, but thank you, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Duly noted, uh, we are not doing the whole three-hour hangout. Uh, this was not really planned in advance. I uh, just wanted to share details of some of what transpired in the class, the t-shirts, all the other. Uh, incidentally, I will say, with working with the black female and hearing about some of the some of her experiences uh, where she felt uh, it was a white male instructor who was being suspect and how they were giving the adjustment and being behind the person and all that nonsense. Uh, she also just going through with her and doing some of the adjustments and getting tips from her uh, in terms of just her as a female, how she would want to be touched if it was a male that was going to be uh, doing the adjustment, like to make it as less creepy as possible, <laughs> put it that way, um, in trying I'm trying to think like, okay, if you're going to, there's uh, one adjustment where you are behind the person and you just kind of use your fingers to encourage them to not tighten their shoulders. A lot of people tend to kind of tense up if they're in a really active posture or strenuous. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a posture. Just if you're under stress, sometimes a lot of people tend to kind of uh, hunch their uh, shoulders, tighten up through their shoulders. So you can just use your uh, fingers along their shoulders to kind of glide their shoulders down and just you can verbally cue them as well as you kind of take your fingers across their shoulders and her just saying uh, kind of using pointing your fingers up as you glide them down as opposed to having your fingertips on the person's actual back as they glide down to kind of make it feel less creepy if you can if that explanation if you can visualize it uh, going down your back which way uh, but just things like that to kind of keep that in mind uh, again I cannot fathom or imagine a circumstance where I would be other than teacher training teacher training you are required uh, to teach a full class at the end and other teaching in between there but after the teacher training I cannot fathom an environment where I would be teaching to white people like I, I just I don't know what that environment would be uh, I think I would love to continue to get reps uh, teaching and to get practice in but definitely in an environment where it is exclusively non-white students i just would not feel comfortable satisfied at all teaching to whites i would feel repulsed and frankly unsafe uh in a room of, of probably a lot of white women even if it was white men uh, i don't think i would feel safe fulfilled anything at all and i would be violating my own code in terms of helping white people i think if you're help if you're teaching a yoga class you are definitely helping uh the people that you are instructing so yeah that would not be possible at all. Anywho, uh, hopefully, hopefully one day. Uh, uh, Ivy, did you have a, a question or comment that you wanted to get in? I wanted you to finish. I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh, okay. Uh, hopefully one day uh, we'll be able to get that environment with uh, non-white students, exclusively non-white students, uh, so that we don't have to uh, struggle and be limited uh, to it just being whites uh, in the class or not teaching at all because uh, it seems like something that I might enjoy. I certainly have, have benefited and enjoyed uh, my yoga practice. It's been great 
uh, for me mentally, physically dealing with the stress of the flood and, and all of that. And, and I do know other black people who participate in yoga and they have said the same thing that it's been, uh, helpful for them in a lot of ways. So it would be great to share that, uh, with other non-white people, especially black people. Uh, so figuring out ways to do that. If you all think listeners, if you can think uh, of anything, ways uh, that I'd be able to do that once all of this is complete uh, and I feel competent that I could do a good, could do a safe, quality job uh, sharing yoga with other victims of racism. Let me know if you think of any ideas. Definitely uh, share, share, share. Uh, and uh, yeah, as soon as I'm feeling competent, I'll probably make sure to say that a few more times because that's man, I really think uh, a lot of black people, uh, it could help in a myriad of ways in dealing with problems with the ways that white supremacy racism attacks our physical, mental, spiritual, emotional health. Health, I think yoga could do a lot uh, to remedy that within these confines. I will pause there. Uh, did you want to get your commentary in here, Ivy? Uh, yeah. Um, um, you know, since you weren't you know, hanging out the whole three hours. I want to go ahead and uh, speak now. Greetings to you and greetings to everyone on the line. I'm um, sorry you're having to deal with what you're having to deal with, but I am glad that you are partnered up with someone that you feel comfortable with. Um, I know if it were me in this situation, what I would try to do, I would just, I would just put it out there. Like most, most rapists are white, um, and so. I don't want especially white males touching me, period. Like, I always make sure, even at the doctor, I don't get no uh, no white male doctors or none of that. Um, and so I wouldn't, I would make sure, I would try to make sure that I'm paired up with a female. I want them to be non-white, but if they have to be white, then they have to be a female. And even with females, I would want to try to discern whether or not they're homosexuals because people would try to, you know, touch you, you know, try to be slick, like how they're doing, um, the, the black woman that you, that, that you're, that you're talking about, or yeah, that you're talking about, um, are comments relating to the t-shirts allowed or just white supremacy in general concerning this, this broadcast, well, not this broadcast, but this program? Oh, well, I read quite a bit about the t-shirts. That's definitely permissible. Okay. Um, you made a statement about, and you say this frequently, that you know whites they they like um, they like talking to you or you know dealing with victims that are that they think are are more um, confused. And um, I just had a quick anecdote. I was at some, I think it was called Mimi's Cafe out here in the where where I'm at, and um, this this uh, this this white male. He said, "Because my hair, you know, is uh, is in 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 that it was it was like like in an Afro sort of style with um, and it was kind of crinkly." And um, he said, uh, "You know, I like your hair," and I could just tell that he was saying that to insult me, but he was trying to make it seem like it was a compliment. And I I thanked him, and I'm gonna tell you why in a minute. And I just looked right back at him to see if he was laughing or something like that. But, it, you know, it seemed like he wiped the stuff off his face uh, quickly enough. 
I can't believe, but I, I believe that that was the case. And I, I believe that he thought that I was more confused and that I fell for it, which that wasn't the case at all. The reason, the only reason why I thanked him is because I was scared of him because I didn't want, if I just didn't say anything at all. And I, I struggle with that. Like when I try to talk to you and stuff like that in public and warn them and all that, that they're going to do something to me. So I was afraid that if I didn't say anything at all, that he would become disruptive um, somehow at the restaurant um, because they, they can. Um, but it, but you could tell that he, he was, it's like he was having fun with me because he thought I was more confused. Now, if he would have known that I was scared, he might have had just the same amount of fun. His, his mentality may not have changed. Um, but I'm just saying that that's true what you said. And in terms of being more, more confused, VGQ to you, Gus, but I completely disagree with the notion that knowing if your program is constructive toward ending the system is not going to be known until the system is over. I completely disagree with that, and the reason I would say that is because of this. This is what I believe, and I want to ask your opinion on this. I look at the Haitian Revolution, and I look at how it was a small amount of Africans who um, did what they did and, 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 and came out of, you know, subjugation for however long that they came out of it before, you know, the next generation, however many generations it was, of, of whites came back and responded. And, you know, now they're, you know, retaliated and now they're just in a terrible situation. But the point is there was a small um, amount of them up against, you know, probably a large amount of, of, of race soldiers. And it seems to me that when I look at that, it seems like, you know, we're not going to need every non-white person or every black person to solve this problem. It could be, uh, I guess you could say, a small percentage of us. And it seems like to me, the people who are genuinely trying to solve this problem, from the people who are marching to the people who are having these grassroots organizations and things of that nature, I think the reason that we haven't solved this problem is not because we don't have enough people who are courageous or, or even that we don't have enough people who are trying to work against the system. I think the problem is that we are confused. I think that is the main reason, I'm almost getting done, that that is the main reason we have not solved this problem and that all the people that are working against this problem that are trying to, that, that, that most of us are more confused. And I think that's the reason we're working against it in the ways that we are, that we are marching and all that type of stuff. And I think that if all of us, if we were less confused and instead of being out there marching, we would sit and think about how to solve this problem and, and, and take even Lily Fuller's approach of looking at how it's put together through confusion and violence and all these different things and analyze that, that we can solve this problem. So going back to why I say your program is constructive, even though this problem has not been solved, is that your program, and you cannot deny this, Gus, your program serves to make people less confused. And the reason I can say you cannot deny that because you know that many people have said that. That's on record. Many people, including myself, have said that this program has caused them to be less confused. And I think anything that causes us to be less confused, that is constructive to solving this problem. And I think, truth be told, that that's the only way that we're going to solve this problem. And I even think of that video of that um, that, that one uh, um, girl, that one woman who 
had a video about things anti-racist say and how the racist, they got her to take that video down because that video revealed truth and it showed that it, it, it to me, eliminated the confusion of thinking that these anti-racist so-called are not racist and she exposed that they were and we need more of that just programs like this and anything that is going to undo confusion and lessen confusion and so that's that's all i wanted to say and i wanted to ask your opinion of do you think that that is true that the main reason that we have not solved this problem is not that enough people aren't genuinely working against it not that enough people are not courageous but that so many of us are just so confused and I'm in my life. Um, let's see. I reckon to to answer your question, I can tell I can tell a story. I was I'm actually going to lower my window. I had the window up. It's eighty degrees and sixty percent of the residents in Seattle do not have air conditioning, including this one. Uh it is and I was reminded today of why 60% of the residents, and I think it might even be higher than that, do not have air conditioning in Seattle. I don't think I've lived ever in a residence that had air conditioning the entire time I've been here. Uh, In addition to the fact that I think just Thursday, the daytime high was 60 degrees. It's Tuesday. Thursday, the daytime high was 60 degrees. Today, I was out. Some of the leaves on the trees have already started to turn colors. And that is very normal for this part of Washington state. I've seen that for many years now. That's why this residence and about 60%, maybe higher of the houses here do not have air conditioning, but I'm closing the window. So my story to answer Ivy's question, I was at the local grocer today Lovely black female was there. She's an employee. I've talked about her before. Race soldiers there make fun of her name. They, one of the race soldiers said, do you know how I remember your name? Aunt Jemima and Key Lime Pie. Anyway, so I see her at the store today. She's always super uh, courteous, very friendly, seems a little bit less confused, a little bit less confused about racism. We're chatting it up today. We've been chatting for months. I see her. She speaks every time I come to the store. So we're talking today. And I don't know what happened. I have no idea. I would love to give you the total context, but I honestly do not remember what the discussion was about at the time that this was said. But for some reason, I know we had talked about. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, for some reason, she says, you seemed... You seemed, I think she said it past tense, you seemed like the type of guy that would only date white girls. And I looked at her and I said, hmm, how curious that you would say that. She doesn't know that I do uh, the radio program. I almost said listeners would have such a laugh uh, once I tell them that. But I didn't say listeners because she doesn't know about the radio program. So. I just say, wow, it's so interesting that you would say that. And then after I thought for a second, I said, that's especially interesting because you and I have had this conversation before uh, where I reminded her 
we were talking and a white woman came by and she had non-white offspring. And I said, oh, that's totally incorrect. And she was like, what? And she said the same thing. You look like someone that only dates white women. And I was like, what? What? Anyway, I don't remember our whole dialogue back then, but I explained to her that I thought that was incorrect and blah, blah. Anyway, so she did not remember that we had discussed this before. And I said, uh, some of the people that know me would find that especially funny because uh, I, more than almost anybody else on the planet, spend a significant amount of time saying that that is totally incorrect. And she said, oh, you don't like that. And I said, no, that behavior is incorrect. It doesn't have anything to do with like if we are in a system of racism. And I came back to fundamentals. What does it mean to be white? Are we in a system of racism? And what does that mean? If so, how should I function in relation to whites? These are exactly the way that I'm saying it now. This is exactly the way that I presented it to her. And she stopped and she just started thinking. And she still came back to, so that's why you don't like them. And I said, it's not about like. This is about logic. This is very important. This is not emotions. This is not, you know, every time I see a couple like that, I ball up my fist and make a face at them. That's not what this is at all. This is about logic. And I stopped and I said, do they have rules here about, you know, the the CEO or the owner coming in and having some sort of sexual relationship or arrangement with the employees? And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, OK, it's the same thing. Why, if we are in a system of racism, that you just keep coming back to that. If we are in a system of racism, whites have more power than non-whites. It's taking advantage every time. I mentioned Mary Kay Letourneau. She did not know who Mary Kay Letourneau was. She was born in Seattle. How do you not know? Anyway, uh, it's exploitation. Every Look up Mary Kay Letourneau. If you, for those of you who are not born in Seattle, even though that became national news, if you don't know who Mary Kay Letourneau is, look that up if you have free time. So I say to her, it's exploitation every time. It's Thomas Jefferson, Sally Hemings. Every time the white person is in a more powerful position and they are not confused about racism. We are highlighted both. And she said, hmm, more powerful position. That is true. That and she started and I said, think about it. Just think about it. This is not about emotion. This is just logic in terms of what does it mean to be white and should I be suspicious that that person could be a racist? If racism is a problem, hey, we got to start picking out which white people are practicing racism. And until this problem has been solved, at minimum, I got to suspect that you could be a racist. So we can't be doing anything in the bedroom. We got serious problems to address. And she was like, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm going to have to think about it. But so I say all that. The vast majority of non-white people that I talk to, including myself before I you know, read Mr. Fuller's work, don't have that sort of information, are not thinking about that sort of logic, are not thinking about the problems that they encounter in the world that we live in within the context of racism, white supremacy, and with an accurate definition of racism. Dr. Welsing talked about that all the time. Accurate definition of racism that describes correctly what is happening on planet earth in the known universe. And in absence of that confusion is going to be a major, if not the primary byproduct, lots and lots of confusion 
Uh, I would still conclude, unfortunately, until the system of racism, white supremacy has been replaced, in my view, that is the evidence that I'll take that, yes, non-white people have now become less confused. We can then then it'll be, I think, or at least I imagine it would be easier to determine what was the source of them becoming less confused, although at that point it might not matter. But at that point, we can start saying, oh, yeah, non-white people are less confused. And the evidence is they have put whites out of business. That's the way that I tend to encourage us thinking just to stick to solving the problem quickly, quickly, if that makes sense. Does that answer your, your question, Ivy? Um, I'd have to think, I have to think on it, um, more of whether or not that answers the question. I, I think maybe somewhat. I think I think you're telling me maybe no confusion is not that's part of it, but that's not the main reason that we haven't solved this problem and that a program or anything that that lessens confusion is not proof of being constructive toward solving this problem. Did I say that right? Well, I'll just say, I think the at the end, tail end of my response, I think I said that the major, if not the primary result of racism, white supremacy is non-white people being confused about racism. And that is a major, if not the primary reason we haven't solved this problem. Separate that totally from, you know, everything else. This program really or anything else, anything else that anyone is doing, has done, will do. Uh, All of the efficacy, I think, can be determined if that is really needed, can be determined uh, once the system has ended. While it's still here, everything that's been done, in my opinion, has not been effective enough. So in my view, I think that's the the logical position to take, uh, that whatever has been done has not been sufficient. Let's get to work solving the problem so we can prove that we indeed are not confused and the evidence is that we've solved this problem. Oh, she's muted. Did you want to think on it, Ivy? Um, no, that 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 provided uh, much clarity. And uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. I'm Marlon. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Number again: six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. I know Dr. Welsing, I think when asked, and I think it might have even been on this program, she was asked about, you know, what percentage of non-white people, might have been black people specifically, but what percentage of victims of racism do you think uh, understand racism? And I think she said like something way less than 1%. Like it was a real low number super, super low. Uh, and so, I mean, just to really emphasize the point uh, that most, the vast majority of non-white people in the known universe do not understand racism, white supremacy, and that that has been a major obstacle uh, to us, if not the, the major obstacle uh, to us 
getting this problem solved, just not having an accurate understanding, logical understanding of how racism, white supremacy and works, uh, and then what things we should be doing, should not be doing if a system of racism, white supremacy exists. Doing all the unnecessary touching with whites, that right there. Should we be doing this in a system of racism, white supremacy? Uh, the person that called in, uh, hmm. is this retired firefighter? No, it's not, I guess. Oh, okay. Greetings, caller, 4362. <laughs> Greetings, Gus. Thank you. Um, good evening to everyone and to yourself, um, Gus. Um, I just wanted to share a little uh, story. Um, I um, called in a couple times. Uh, on um, during the workplace racism um, program, but there's a I work with a non-white black male. Um, he's probably in his late twenties, early thirties, uh, and um, so and it's just interesting. Um, as I was passing his his work area, he called my name, and um, you know, and I I responded. And he said, uh, hey, have you ever done yoga before? And uh, I said, yeah, I've done it a few times. I'm definitely not an expert, but I've done it a few times. And I said, oh, he said, yeah, yeah, um, I, I just started, man. I love it. It's great. It's really great. I was like, that's good, man. I've done it a few times. Um, I kind of I didn't tell him about <clears throat> your uh your the cows or anything but i just said i was recently you know you know uh i guess given motivation to start doing it um again and doing it more uh, uh, my interest was uh kind of i guess sparked or ignited and so um he was talking about some of the poses that uh he did and um how it was helping you know stretch out certain muscles and and I was like man that's really good I'm uh, and I'm going to be doing some more yoga myself so this uh white black male is in a a tragic arrangement a relationship with a white woman a suspected racist um but he frequently during you know at work he jokes he he makes it comical I think he makes racism comical so he jokes about it about it i spoke about it um um last uh thursday anyway so i said so what do you go to a studio where did you do it and he was like no i did it at home i said okay good man um you know what did, what did you do did you look at some some videos or what do you have he said no i had the uh yoga instructor come to my my home i said oh okay and i kind of joked at him you know as if he's you know rich or that he can afford to do something like that. I kind of messed with him a little bit. And then I'm like, okay. And then he tells me, he tells me about his yoga instructor. So racist, uh, suspected racist female. And I'm like, Oh, and and just, I'm just in my mind. Like, wow, that's yeah. I, I couldn't, I just thought about all the, the, the I guess the sexual connotations in the, in the sewering I don't know it's just that really man I was really I wouldn't I wouldn't say I was shocked but I was like man that's something I would never do um, but again he's in a um, he's in a relationship with a white woman and uh, and he was just telling me how yeah she's great she comes over for an hour and she you know she d- does all these adjustments and she does stuff I mean I guess she's doing some of the poses in front of him and 
I'm like, man, this just sounds like a uh, situation that could, you know, go bad at any moment with any type of, you know, sexual abuse allegations or, or something. But, you know, he he tells me how, you know, how in great shape and how flexible she is. And it's kind of like he's kind of hinting at, you know, like she's attractive and, and it's something sexual. But that that really it just really made me think about the cows. And I was like, wow, this, yeah, I. And, you know, I just let him do what he, he does, you know, I don't try to, because he's definitely uh, a lot, very confused and uh, why I identified. But, uh, again, he attempts to, when when I'm around or he's around me, he goes, you know, he starts talking to the black talk or the, yeah, brother and all that stuff. But, um, um, Gus, I do agree with you as far as, I don't know how I could, I've taken uh, a few yoga classes, and I'm yes, I'm definitely the only black male uh, that's in the class, and and um, I haven't had I've had uh, non-white, non-black female um, instructor do some adjustments on me, and she, you know, it was really quick, and and I've had a, uh, a suspected racist female do an adjustment on me, but as far as you being an instructor and doing it, I definitely can understand you not wanting to uh, make any uh, uh, adjustments or do any, perform any adjustments on these, these anybody, especially um, white people. But um, I just wanted to share that, and um, thanks for letting me participate. Much obliged. Brother, brother, I had a hearty laugh uh, at that while I was uh, muted. Brother, yes. Uh, I guess, let's see, with, and that, I guess even to go to, to Ivy's point uh, quickly, that's why I'm always hesitant because there will be individuals who will say that, you know, I listen to the cows, I am less confused, and, you know, we just spent 10 tickets to go to the movies to see, you know, such and such and still have white friends like <clears throat> that has happened where people have said that. So that's why I'm hesitant about uh, talking when anyone, even Gus, says that they are less confused or they were confused and now they got it. <laughs> I am still confused. I'm still a victim of racism, white supremacy. True statements. Anywho, uh, to I guess the the victim that has the yoga instructor. That's why I played that the portion of the audio segment at the beginning that was talking about the Bikram yoga. And they were talking about the sexualized nature of the environment and how some people are oblivious to it. Some people are aware of it and exploit it. I think there's a lot of that. Like uh, the people that wear like extra reveal, like it is hot. Like when I say some of these classes are 105 degrees, the thermometer on the wall, it is 105 degrees. That said, you do not need to have on like, you know, the tightest fitting clothing or uh, a bikini top or what I like that aspect, like lots of it uh, that goes on. I cannot imagine inviting that like if that's at your house, like, oh, man, that no thanks on so many levels. <laughs> like the studio is enough drama right there much less to have that in your residence or if you have to go to their residence or whatever it is there's a lot of that i see people uh instructors here who advertise that they have uh that they do personal yoga like they go to people's residence and what have you i would not even as a, if i was the black male and i was the instructor and i was supposed to be going to someone's 
uh, residence. Uh, going to a white person's house, male or female, I would be terrified. <laughs> like, uh, anywho, um, yeah, the going uh, to class for the adjustments. Yeah, I have basically come to my own conclusion. It's the one finger, two finger adjustments. Great on the verbal cues, uh, and I will be quick with the non-white people. I do want to be able to give you know quality, safe uh, adjustments, especially if it's non-white people. But even there, like I just feel like it's it's too much, too much, uh, too many problems, uh, too many accusations uh, in the system of racism. White Bill Cosby, <laughs> Bill Cosby, just hours ago today. They recommended that he be labeled a sexually violent predator. I'm not talking anything about whether he did it or not. I'm just, if that's Bill Cosby, I am Gusty Renegade. I don't think it would be that much. I've been accused of all kinds of wacky things in my time on this planet. I do not want to add fondling to the list. Uh, Double check to see if uh, any other folks have... Uh, question, comment, uh, number again, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. If folks come here to uh, take the class, as I said, I will announce if you're one of those folks that's not into being touched, I make it clear, I make it known that uh, I, you know, give that as an option. And if you don't want to be touched, no problem. <laughs> you can risk that makes it great. I'm ecstatic. Great. That's one less person that I have to worry about cross off the list because they have uh, in the manual that you're supposed to touch every student in class uh, at least once uh, at some point. Uh, during the class, make sure that they get their, you know, one-on-one time at some point during the class. So fantastic. Cross that person off the list uh, and then boop, proceed with the rest of the folks uh, in the least invasive way possible. And I try to also just keep in mind, at least for the training, like I said, once teacher training is done, I can't imagine environments that I would be in teaching with white students, but remembering I have been in classes where I did not get any adjustments at all. So I'm definitely not going to feel compelled. Like I've got to uh, touch every single person in class. I would keep that in mind also. But yeah, if we have uh, any folks, if you have an occupation or any sort of duties, I guess, that require you to do intimate touching of people, like I feel like if you're touching above the head, I feel like that's pretty intimate uh, or any sort of, you know, where they're taking, having to move clothes and that sort of thing uh, or touching in kind of sensitive uh, areas. If you have developed a code around that, I would love to hear uh, if it's, you know, diversified in terms of how you deal with whites, how you deal with non-whites. Is it the same uh, for everyone? I would be interested because uh, I might have to adapt certainly for the next month or so. That will definitely be in effect. Uh, and then the teaching, we'll see how that goes. Uh, incidentally, uh, the terrorism against the cows broadcasting effort uh, continues. I, I've been using an Earl shortener 
for years. We've been on for a decade. I've been using this Earl Shortener, shortener uh, for years. Tiny.cc forward slash RWSWJ. For some reason now, it is not allowing me to post it on Facebook. I just posted it like days ago. Now it's not allowing uh, me to post it. Facebook, Twitter, uh, someone just messaged me minutes ago saying that they tried to use that link to access the program and they got an error message. I'm just the usual suspects, uh, racist uh, sabotage. Again, I've been using that link for years and I've never had about almost a decade and I've never uh, had a problem posting it uh, on Twitter, Facebook. Now, all of a sudden, all of these issues uh, with the link and disrupting people's ability to access the program. Anytime that happens, usual suspects. Uh, I have been switching and just using the link at Black Talk Radio Network. They certainly have uh, other Earl shorteners uh, and what have you, but I mean, just continued uh, racist interference with the cows, even though I would point to those sort of things, uh, to what uh, Ivy was asking and say, well, might be evidence if you continue to have these sort of attacks uh, against the archives and keep getting kicked off of different platforms and that sort of thing where they make it difficult uh, for you to do whatever work you're trying to do might be evidence that it's constructive. Absolutely. I've taken that position for years. Try to do more of it. I think that's exactly what Mr. Fuller said. So I would say that to anybody uh, in the universe, if you're doing work and racists are trying to make it difficult on you when you're trying to do something that's constructive, might take that as evidence that what you are doing is effective and that you should try to do more of it. See if you can double quadruple uh, your efforts as need be, because we have got when I say we victims of white supremacy, we have got massive problems, principally whites. Uh, Ivy, did you have comment question? Or perhaps not. I might have just been hearing the background uh, noise. I will double check, make sure I did not miss any folks who had uh, hand, any of the folks who dialed in. Did you all have uh, questions, uh, comments, gripes? Uh, number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, any of the folks who dialed in with the hand up have commentary? Uh, yes, Gus. Uh, may I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, in light of, you know, Bill Cosby and Morgan Freeman and Chris Brown and all these people that these race soldiers are going after, that that is, you know, great, you know, what you're doing and taking uh, these precautions. And I hope that, you know, that you don't become a victim of false um, accusations and things of that nature. And I hope you don't get mad at me, but I just have to do it. I have to I have to push back more on the I understand what you said about, you know, people seem to be less confused, but they maintain white friends and things of that nature. But I think that's the value in the term less confused. Because I have white friends and when I was listening to your program I automatically, you know, get rid of my white friends. But eventually I did. Um, the one that I had, and we were so-called, I thought at least, that we were friends um, for over 20 years, and I ended that. Um, and any other uh, relationships with with with, um, with white people who, who I thought uh, were my friends, and now I have uh, 
white associates, some of which may think they're that I'm their friend or, or anything like that, but I'm not. Um, <clears throat> and I'll just be 100% um, transparent. Like, I believe that there are some white people who are not racist. I do believe that they are, as, doc, as uh, Dr. Cambon says, um, statistically insignificant. And even with that said, I take the position of uh, Muhammad Ali when he said that may very well be true that there are some who are not racist, but I'm not going to let in any of the snakes just to try to find out. I'm not going to let in a thousand snakes to, to see if 10 of them, you know, are not going to bite me, which ones are, are not going to bite me. So even though I believe that there are some who are not racist, I have, I'm not going to be friends with them. I'm not going to date them, marry them, try to work on this problem with them. I'm not going to do any of that. And I can understand even your position that you may feel like, hey, that's a part of your more confusion, the fact that you would even think that some are not racist. And I and I, I totally respect that view. But I guess what I'm saying is that it's just undeniable that your program has caused people, and I want them, to become less confused and you know there are other things out there that has has done that and I think even that video as I said the things any racist say I think that that's constructive towards that which by the way really quick she didn't respond to me and I think that that email if it ever was hers it's been taken over by someone else and I remember you said that you um, might have the audio and so I just wanted to ask you while I got you on the line like do you think you you have that audio to that video I am very sure. Uh, in fact, like I'm a hundred percent sure that I have it because I went back to the program, the program, what she's refer what Ivy is referencing. Uh, there's a black female named destiny. Uh, that's the title that she used as a guest on the program. This is like 2012, a decade of the cows constructive or no, uh, but Destiny was here in 2012 and black female. She did this video uh, called things. It was like things white activists say uh, to people of to activists of color or something. To, it's been, you know, six years. So forgive me, but that's pretty close. Things white activists say to activists of color or people of color. And it was like five minutes, not super long, uh, but it was kind of a parody of different ways that uh, racists will try to say things to kind of get street cred, if you will, uh, with black people uh, as, the, oh, yeah, I'm not racist. And this is what I, you know, I'm I understand. I got it, you know, right on. I'm with you. And she uh, just parried it out. It was really funny. I thought it was effective. I think some listeners saw it. They, you know, thought it was constructive. You know, what she was doing was revealing truth about ways white people practice racism. She came on the program, chatted up with, you can go back and listen to the archives. Anyway, uh, after six years, apparently the video has been taken down. It was... I thought readily available. I think it was on Vimeo. I think it was originally posted. It was not like a YouTube uh, posting, but I think it was Vimeo. And I think I saw it some other places. I think it got quite a bit of uh, attention uh, in 2012 when all this came out. Anyway, apparently it's not available now. And uh, that's what Ivy was talking about. To answer your question, I'm like 100% certain that it's in the archives because I went back to listen to that uh, program where she was a guest. And I did not play that video to begin the program. And as I listened, 
I remember the reason that I did not play that video to start the program is because I had already played it on the program and we had talked about it uh, during a segment. So the only question would be which program was it played? I would think somewhere within like a two week window of when she was a guest, a two week like two weeks prior to when Destiny was a guest on the program. I would think somewhere in there would be a good spot to look. I thought that the audio would still be uploaded as a file, but uh, I have failed to locate it if that was the case. Uh, but it definitely should be in the archive of the program. Uh, just I would check in that too. And I and when I say I, Gus T will will try to carve through programs from that two week period and other folks if you have the time and energy you can do so as well uh, and see if we can locate the exact audio uh, should be right there and then I could just clip that out share and it was constructive we could all take a listen six years later and see if we still think it's constructive uh, the person uh, it looks like you're I guess on the vote line uh, caller on the vote line did you have a question comment I did uh, can I be heard Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, good evening, Gus. I unfortunately missed the first half of the broadcast, um, but I know that you're talking about your experience as a black yoga instructor. My question for you is if you're being compensated for that. Well, this is the training aspect. So uh, you actually have to pay them to train you. Uh, after that is all done, then that's when you can, you know, ostensibly start being compensated for teaching but all of this uh, you have to pay them to train you that's what I'm going through now the teacher training aspect this was just talking about the adjustments uh, that we have been learning in teacher training and all of the having to put hands on strangers white and non-white for these adjustments and my thoughts on that within the system of white supremacy Okay. And then I don't know if you answered this earlier, but I'm just out of curiosity. How do you reconcile with yourself um, knowing what you know about white people and then being in a setting like that where you are now about to position yourself to help them? How have you come to terms with that? Uh, well, I've been saying the whole time I have no intention of teaching white people. I talked about that earlier on the program uh, for that exact reason, okay. that I would be violating my code. I think if you're in, if you are teaching someone yoga, you are certainly helping them. So that would be, you know, it would be repulsive. Like I would lose all of the, the joy that I get out of my practice. And, you know, it would my teaching. I think I said it uh, the way I phrased it uh, minutes ago was my teaching career would start and end on the same day. If that were the case, I would have to. And I think I encourage listeners to think of ways uh, that I could teach to exclusively non-white people. That's the whole reason uh, for doing this so that I do not have to reconcile that conflict. Gotcha. I appreciate that. Um, I do have a couple of other questions for you. These might be somewhat elementary. I, I don't listen regularly. I'm sure that you've probably answered this quite a few times, but um, my question is, what do you think it is about white people specifically that makes their nature so demonic? I was just taking my niece to a African-American library out here actually a couple hours ago and found out that in my state, I mean, my state literally has one of the highest numbers of KKK members um, at one point. And I was 
pretty much breaking down to her like the evil nature of white people and it, and it felt really good because she's thin to um to really prepare her because she's so naive and just so sweet and so open to everybody especially white people and so it, we were the only people on this third level of this library and so it was really kind of nice to walk through that african-american uh, library the museum part and to break it down to her and i basically just had to say that they're evil they have a, a evil component to them and I, I don't know any other way to describe it. And so if you have any other um, rhetoric that you use to really describe it to a young child, what it is that sets them apart from anyone else, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I don't have like a genetic theory. Dr. Welsing, she has a great genetic theory. I, well, that might be difficult to break that down to a child, although I'm sure it can be done. I think people are supposed to be working on doing that presently. Might all, well, yeah, people are supposed to be working on that. But Dr. Welsing certainly has her theory in terms of why whites do what they do, their commitment to terrorism. Uh, what I have seen uh, in terms of like literally what I've seen in terms of uh, black parents who have children uh, and explaining this behavior, uh, what I've seen that seems to work, in, if we're saying work in terms of where the child understands it, and you can see application of that understanding where they, you know, regulate their behavior a little bit better. I mean, none of us are perfect, right? But uh, they regulate their behavior a little bit better, and you can see where they're they're starting to apply that logic of, oh, okay, this is what it means to be white correctly. Uh, it's just uh, explaining it as these individuals have made a decision. Uh, that's really the way that I break it down. These folks have made a decision, conscious, deliberate commitment to, we are going to mistreat these people. We want to be in charge. We want to dominate and rule the whole planet. I feel like most children can understand that. Like these folks, they, you know, intend on having the we controller forever, not sharing. We're going to dominate all aspects of it. And that's what it is. We control every aspect about how this is going to work forever and they've decided that it's just going to be their group everybody that they say is white and we're going to dominate everybody that's non-white like i think most people can understand in those terms like i've explained it with i mean video games food whatever it is but just we are in charge of everything because that's really what it is we're in charge of everything and we've decided on the basis of us being white uh in terms of the why is it something genetically about them hey and i'm even comfortable with i don't know there are many theories on that. That's something that we can study and think about over the years. Why? I really try and focus more on, hey, this is what it is, and this is what we should try to do to be safe in how we behave, how we conduct ourselves with them. But in terms of the why, lots of theories on that, just as long as they get a correct understanding of whatever it is that caused it, this is how they're functioning in relation to black people. And this is what we should try to do to neutralize them. If you have any suggestions, let's hear. I mean, this is me talking to the child. If you have any suggestions, share or think on that and share. Sure. I am. I, I guess I was just trying to underscore the, the real difference in whites compared to non-whites. I feel like if a non-white, say, an Asian civilization were to rise up and gain the amount of dominance that whites have, I don't think you'd see the same type of terroristic activity. You would see it. But, I mean, I was showing her, you know, these photographs of, you know, KKK members burning crosses outside of black dentists 
the first black dentist in my state uh, lawn. And I, I really just had to concede that it was evil. And I just, I don't think any other ethnic group would resort to that. And so I just really wanted to distinguish. I mean, it's, it seems a little bit more than them having a remote control. It, it just seems like there's another layer to it. And so um, if, if that's not effective, I mean, if that's not, if that isn't constructive in terms of underscoring that for a child, then I, you know, we'll definitely back off of that. But it, it was just so hurtful to see that photograph that I really wanted my niece to, to understand that that was very inhumane and abnormal. A plus. That's great. I'm a big advocate of state history. I think I have said that's one that I've advocated for years. You can do a lot of teaching about racism, white supremacy by just doing exactly what you just did, teaching your child about uh, local state history. I'm sure they have all kinds of museums and artifacts and history. Most of it, the history of white terrorism. You can do exactly what this parent just shared. I think I've advocated that a number of times for years. Field trips, like if you're in Alabama, go see the lynching memorial, and then you can add whatever carrot counter racist narrative to it but that a plus a plus okay all right i think that's all i have thank you indeed indeed i do not have parents make sure i repeat that regularly anytime suggestions come up about uh offspring i do not have children anywho uh if Folks, have any other uh, questions, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I think Dr. Umar was asked that question, how would you explain what it means to be a white person to a child. I think we asked him that question uh, live on the broadcasts circa 2013, if I had to guess. I'd have to go back and, and kind of flip through the archive to see if that's accurate. But I think 2013, Dr. Umar was asked that question live on the air. Go back to hear his response. And it might have even been a two-parter. I think he gave a response, thought about it, and then came back and gave a, a bit of a longer uh, explanation if memory serves, but I know he was 100% sure he was asked that question live on the cows. Uh, Any other folks have a question, gripe, complaint they needed to get in? Grand. Uh, We should be here uh, Thursday, workplace racism, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We'll be looking forward uh, to hearing reports. Hopefully people have worked out some aspect of their counter-racist code uh, that works well uh, so they can share improvements, success stories, refinement. That would be grand. Invisible Man, we will be all done this Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Last, we'll finish, I guess it's chapter 25 in the epilogue. But And Dr. Kevorkian, I did get to ask him uh, quite a few questions. He responded, great info. We'll be looking forward to sharing his follow-ups as well. Uh, our parent who just chimed in, did you have another question or comment you needed to get in? Okay. Thought I heard something, but thought I heard someone speak up. Uh, If everyone is satisfied, uh, we will call that a broadcast. Uh, We have teacher, I have teacher training 
tomorrow. So hopefully uh, nothing will go awry. We do have to begin our practice teaching sessions. We're supposed to incorporate physical adjustments. I just look at that as an opportunity to get very good at being able to go around with one finger and boop, okay, that's the adjustment there. Boop, one finger, that's the adjustment there. And verbal cues. I can practice all of that and I am not doing and conversely because when you're the student, then they come around and adjust you. Uh, I am going to put my hand up for private practice because I'm not really interested uh, in being fondled by a bunch of random. We have, I think everybody, I'm talking about the students, everybody in our class, with the exception of myself and the black female I was paired with uh, Sunday is white. I'm not interested in being pawned, uh, palmed uh, by random race soldiers, suspected race soldiers, uh, for a three-hour period. So I'm going to put my hand up for private practice uh, so that I can minimize uh, that as best I can. Uh, and then as one finger, there you just move your elbow right there. Mm -hmm. Move your knee right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one finger, moving on, done with that. Uh, if you have thought, if we have any folks, if that is a part of what you do, your job, any of your duties requires you to have like physical hands-on touching of anybody, white person, non-white person, I would love to hear uh, how you have configured your code to keep yourself safe and free of accusations and all of that, because, wow, that's something I would certainly appreciate knowing more about presently. Until justice at gmail.com. With that, thanks for folks tuning in. Hopefully the archives will update immediately so they can remain current. Uh, drop an email if you have any thoughts questions, I will again strongly encourage. Sobriety would be best. That is wonderful to model for your children. You tell them we're in a system of racism, white supremacy, and you model. My behavior reflects that. I don't drink. I don't do alcohol, any of that nonsense, because we're in a system of racism, white supremacy. We are in danger. Dr. Welsing would strongly encourage that. Let's protect our brain computers and black mental, physical, spiritual health as best we can under arduous circumstances. If you're going to be out and about in a vehicle, certainly let's be sober and buckled up each and every time we are behind the wheel or a passenger. Let's do everything we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy, we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.